0: And no bump out, once again, <laughs> Bare Bones Radio Show here. It's Brad and John. We're on Egbert, E-G-G-B-O-R-T. Check it out, Eggbert.com. Now, before the break, John, uh, yes. we were talking about Mike Kehoe. And yes. I've heard him twice give this story that he was a kid that grew up in North City. Now, think about it. He's not that old of a guy. And North City, sh- shall we say, has been somewhat funky for, like, the past, what 60 70 years wouldn't you say yeah i'd say at least now what's interesting is both of my parents and my grandparents were all north county people excuse me north city people yeah um, many
1: many both of my parents grew up in north city as well
0: right and um i believe mike either his father was 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 passed away or left him when he was
1: he just left he, i believe he abandoned the family
0: right so mike grew up and did not have a father and uh, went through all sorts of things and ended up working for Dave Sinclair at, at his car dealership. And Dave sort of took him under his wing and pushed him and pushed him and pushed him. And I think he was selling cars and the whole bit. And then, uh, probably the big break for Mike was the Sinclair dealership, and I believe a couple other dealerships, I don't know if you know the story or not, they went together in this consortium and they made this company called Osage Vans. Are you familiar with Osage Vans? No, I'm not. Okay, Osage Vans was a company that uh, built the the conversion vans. And the idea being was, and the same thing that Bellman's did. Bellman's essentially, ultimately, if you remember Bellman, uh, GMC with the Bellman sure. vans up there, 270 McDonald. Uh, yep. They essentially started their own company where they converted the vans themselves. Uh, and that was the deal with Osage vans. It was, I think it was a three or four different Ford dealers. And they went in, and the idea being is that they could buy the vans, cheap because they were dealers they would buy the you know the 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 stripper van conversion vans and they would take them down to lynn missouri where osage vans was and then they would convert them and they would sell them as these conversion vans and mike was sent down there to run that company and then when the conversion van uh, business sort of bit the dust they switched to making ambulances. Did you know this part of it? I didn't know that. No. And Osage, I believe Osage is still one of the main manufacturers of ambulances in the, in the country. And matter of fact, uh, they for a long time they were they were huge in the Midwest. Matter of fact, you could look at a lot of different. See, because I'm a nerd, I'd look at stuff like that. Every time I'd see like a fire department ambulance or something like that, it would have the name of the the builder because those are not built by the manufacturers. They essentially they buy a, a what they call a commercial chassis and then they convert it into a into an ambulance. Uh, um, and then from that point, I believe he, I can't remember the exact story how he ended up in the car business, but he had several car dealerships that he, he bought and sold those and became, shall we say, very wealthy. So he's a guy that, uh, you know, that sort of rose from the ashes, so to speak. I don't—I shouldn't say the ashes, but you know what I'm saying. I, I'm fascinated by people who, when you look at them and you find out that they're this tremendous success, and then you talk with them and you find out they have been kicked hit you know stabbed shot you know drug behind cars you know their life has been sort of a living hell and at some point in their life they've said okay i can just continue to you know have this life like this or i can you know pull the covers over my head and not get out of bed every morning or i can you know grab my life by the reins and turn myself around and really move forward and I'm always fascinated by those kind of yeah. Guys. I and, mean
1: and you know you think about the fact that a percentage of people who, who grow up in that environment, Go the complete opposite direction. Well, and they're they're riddled with addiction. They're riddled with other things, and we hear about those folks too. And you just don't know what the percentage breakdown is.
0: It's like me and my four kids. Okay, I have four kids. I have three sons and a daughter. Okay, and I look at the environment they were raised in with me. I'm an entrepreneur. I've been in the radio business. You know, I've run businesses since like 1984, a long time. Okay, and I sometimes think to myself, the reason my kids aren't interested in this because they see me. They see me working working a lot of hours. They see me. You know, having issues where you know it's not all you know great and wonderful. Running a business sometimes you have to fight the government. Sometimes you have to fight you know uh, you know uh, competitors. Sometimes you have to fight the guy down the street who just doesn't like because of the fact you own a business. I mean, sometimes yeah. it's it's really weird stuff. Uh, but, you know, and but yet by the same token, I look at my, my, my you know, my kids right now, uh, my daughter's an attorney, my one son graduated with a degree in electrical engineering and computer science, he's worked for, you know, since he's been out of school, he's worked for Garmin. He's worked for Amazon, and now he's decided he doesn't necessarily like the big company environment. He's working for some smaller tech firms. He worked for one, and then he got another even better offer from a tech firm in Boston. If I told you the names, names you would not recognize. And he likes that small kind of operation. Uh, My one son, my oldest son, is down in Florida um matter of fact he works for a plumbing supply place he's a sales manager and my youngest son matter of fact as of yesterday just took a new job where he's a a, a guy selling insurance yeah so you know and i'm trying to say you know look at this i'm thinking okay you know and i can look at some of the things that have happened you know with my kids and i think to myself okay why didn't they do this and i think to myself well i know why because i did do that you know <laughs> so and absolutely it, it's like me with my parents my parents loved buicks don't ask me why my parents loved buicks if you gave me a new buick hey brad we're a nice guy (laughs) i would go and i would trade it in somewhere for something different you know what i mean immediately yeah yeah, i and and i know people out there drive buicks nothing against buicks buicks make a transition buick was like cadillac buick was like the the poor man's cadillac used to be that if you had a lot of money you had a cadillac if you didn't have a lot a lot of money if you had some money you had a buick um and you know usually high-end you know the you know the the land yacht kind of vehicles um that's not where they are anymore. It's same thing with, with with Cadillac. Cadillac's gotten to be, you know, their mer- com- main competitor is BMW. Most of the Cadillacs are sporty. You know, they have the they call the V-Series, right. which is, you know, the very high output engines and the sporty, you know, the sport transmission or the sport suspension systems and stuff like that. So who the hell knows? Hey,
1: as, as, as a kid growing up in Spanish Lake, the day that we were able to get a 1985 Buick Regal, uh, I, I should say it was in 1985. I believe the car was a late 70s model, but that was a big day in our household. We we had a red Buick Regal. Uh, it's one of the first cars I remember.
0: Yeah, and and once again, back in the day, most of the Buicks were family cars. You know, they were. Oh yeah, it was huge. They were the four door grocery getter kind of cars. You know, yeah. I mean that kind of thing. But and once again, things change. Things change. And me being a car guy, God, matter of fact, there's things I can tell you cars that I've owned that if I had today, I would have. I would I would have some serious money. I mean, I, I I there's a car that I owned. I owned a 59 Cadillac at one point in time. 59 Cadillac with the big big, Holy cow. big tail fins with the bullet tail lights a whole bit. Two-door coupe, you know, very white with this silver glittering glittering interior. If that if I had that car and had been sitting in my garage since 1973 or 74 when I bought it, I can't remember. I think it was no 72 or something like that. 71 72. If that had been sitting in my garage all this time, even if it was it wasn't in the best of shape when I got it. it had some rust and some other issues, but no body damage, never been in any serious accidents. if I had that car sit in the garage today, uh, I could probably put it on you know one of the you know cars and bids or you know bring a dot com or whatever and probably get forty or fifty thousand dollars for that car
1: yeah uh, yeah, unquestionably right. I wish I had known you circa twenty you know thirteen twenty fourteen Brad, my dad had inherited his mom's. I believe it was a 1963 Bel Air. Do you remember Bel Air? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And uh, just a beautiful car. And after my dad passed, uh, we sold it. But it, it was amazing. And, you know, folks came from probably two hours away somewhere in Illinois and drove. And I was like, you sure you want to make this drive? Like, are you going to show up? And they showed up and they paid cash for it. I don't remember how much it was.
0: Well those gotten the Bel Airs, the Bel Airs and the Impala's of that area, the early sixties have gotten huge with the lowrider rider cl- uh, the low rider guys. The guys from, I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. They they you know, they do the different suspension, the pneumatic suspension, stuff like that. Plus, it's just a car that everybody likes. You know, I mean it's one of those things it's like right now, like if you go back, there's certain even even not that old uh, older cars, but if you go back to like um, the uh, the early 2000s, I think. As a matter of fact, there's a they they call them. It's the Chevy pickup trucks. They're called the cat eye trucks, uh, you know, because the front of them sort of looks oh, like sure. cat's eyes. Uh, I'm think from like 2003 to about 2008 or 2009 was that particular style. Those things are getting unbelievable amounts of money, and even what they call the OBS. Uh, trucks, both Ford and Chevrolet, which are the very boxy, you know, there was a time when, especially the Chevys, the Chevys were really boxy. If you go, like, look at the old Ford, uh, the old Chevy, uh, uh, what they, the C10, S10, whatever they were, they didn't, they weren't the 1500s like they are today now. Same thing. I mean, those things are just being gobbled up by people, and the money that people are paying for those things, it's unbelievable.
1: I bet. Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's anything where you have limited supply, and every year a certain percentage of those goes away. Some days I wish I had my 1980 Olds Cutlass cuz at least I knew how to I could I could change the oil in it myself. I could fix everything myself and I'm not even a car guy. And when you explain to young people today that you used to be able to go to AutoZone or Advance Auto or wherever. And get a book that tells you how to fix everything in your car. They look at you like you're crazy. Well, now you just go to YouTube. <laughs> yeah, and now you go right. to YouTube. You just right. go to
0: YouTube. And I do it all the time. I mean, yeah. you know, I have fairly, most of my vehicles are fairly common cars. So I'll have like, okay, I bet you there's a YouTube video on this. There's 10 YouTube videos on it. Yeah, you know what I mean? it's absolutely. Like, you point, know what's
1: interesting, Brad, when you mentioned St. Louis City and then the county and then like the Mike Kehoe story. Someday, probably soon. There will be demographic information where we could count the number of families that moved, like yours and mine did, from St. Louis City to North St. Louis County to St. Charles County. Well, like it's it and imagine how common that that migration path is in the last sixty years.
0: Did you ever see the movie? Uh, was I did. It was really good. Spanish like the documentary. Yes, I, and and what's so fascinating about that is if you look at the whole situation, and I'm going to ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you remember the movie, what would you say the number one issue that caused all the crazy situation in North City and North County? What would you say the number one issue was?
1: The lack of local government in Spanish Lake to protect itself from Section 8 housing.
0: Well, that was part of it, but I think the overall arch, the overarching view I had was government sticking their fingers where they shouldn't have been sticking their fingers. You mean, in what regard? Well, the federal government, you know, they once again, the whole idea behind, you know, the Pruitt-Igoe housing complex. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Which has been repeated in Chicago with Cabrini-Green and things like that. Essentially, the government thinking, hey, we've got this way. We know how people will love. We're going to build these great, big, tall, you know, uh, great, big, tall apartment buildings. And people are going to love it. And it didn't happen. And if anything, it it went backwards. And then to the point where what happened, you see, the thing that still bothers me about the North County thing, is that to this day, and you and I have even talked about this on the air, we haven't done that many shows, but it still bothers me that people go like, well North County was always sort of like not so nice. It was it was sort of creepy and the people there were not very well educated and they were all like lower middle class and a lot of them were blue collar. A lot of them, you know, a lot of guys were trash men that worked up there. Okay, once again, I'm a guy who went through kindergarten through twelfth grade in the Hazelwood school district. Twillman, Kirby, and Hazelwood High School, okay? I could tell you to this day, I can say to you, there were classes when I remember where the teacher would ask this question, and they would say, how many of your parents work at McDonnell Douglas? And half the class raised their hands. For sure. And among, Absolutely. among my friends, my dad was a civil engineer. We lived in North County. The guy that lived next to me uh, was an electrical engineer from Emerson. The guy on the other side of me was a mechanical engineer. I can't remember who he worked at. Uh, there were several people that I worked with. Matter of fact, uh, a girl that I dated in high school, Jesse Johnson. Her father was yep. a, a, um, a mechanical, Or a, 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 I can't remember if it was a mechanical, or structural or, or aeronautical engineer he worked for he worked on the F4 program which was the big fighter Plane that McDonnell Douglas built, and and I mean for years, and and there were guys in my class that you know that their father was a supervisor, you know, uh, a blue collar kind of thing, but you know they were they were working on on all the projects. We did the Gemini space program. You yeah, know, the gem-
1: it, it was, and I had a number of friends growing up too, and my path was similar. I went to Laramore Elementary, and then Kirby, and then of course Hazelwood East, but. I had so many friends whose parents worked at McDonnell Douglas and were were engineers. And for folks who don't know who haven't seen this film, the entire film, which is just called Spanish Lake, a documentary, is on YouTube. You can watch the whole thing for free on YouTube.
0: Do you know the backstory behind it? It's a pretty interesting backstory. Do you know this story?
1: Yeah, the gentleman who grew up near me in Spanish Lake on one of the the streets off Laramore Road. Uh, went back and actually saw his house and was so moved by what happened that he did the documentary
0: right. And it was pretty interesting because he became like a filmmaker. I think he was like working for one of the big studios in l a or something like that. and he yeah. was on, he was on a layover. He was going from New York back to uh, Los Angeles and had like some free time. and he you know our, they changed his flight or something like that. They had like four or five hours to wait. So he just rented a car and just drove up into north county and and uh, and went to his the interesting part of it is went to his old house. and yeah. that, that's part of the interesting part of that whole story. And and the downside to it was some people criticized it because there were a lot of interviews, and some of the interviews were people like, well... That was somebody who lived in North County, but that wasn't the majority of people. I mean, I'm not trying to say that some of the interviews were like people who were, they were North county but they weren't like your typical North county if you know what I'm saying. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's fair. I mean, we can say this in the, in the St. Louis colloquialism. He was able to find a bunch of people who would self-identify as Hoosiers. <laughs> yes, and, exactly. and who would, and, and, you know, who would talk uh, very <laughs> frankly about race issues. Right. My only qualm with the movie is that the, the filmmaker is quite progressive. So the bad, you know, if there's a bad guy in the movie, it's not the federal government for sure. It's white people who don't like black people moving in. So it, it does have a it does have a woke tinge to it.
0: Right. Well, you put it quite nicely. The people he interviewed were the kind of people that you would you know you would think would 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 not live in North County. They'd live like back in the day in Jefferson County. And,
1: Our, and they're they're are Arnold or Festus. Right. Like are, they would self-identify as Hoosiers. Right.
0: Are way 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 back in the day, St. Charles County. You know, once again, exactly. My, my, exactly right. My boss, when I moved to St. Charles County back in 1984, 85, my boss, Ron Grubbs, comes in the studio one day. Hey, I heard you're moving to St. Charles County. And I said, yeah. He says, did you buy a single wide or a double wide? Yeah. (laughs) So that was the, that was the, that was my perception in the 1990s as well, Brad. I mean, I gotta be honest. It's crazy. I mean, go out there now. I can show you multi-million dollar homes. I can show you, I can show you things you wouldn't believe. Okay. We have to take a break. It is 742.